Welcome, everybody. It is episode 32 of Hot Take from the Kitchen. That's Rip Hamilton. So we don't have to go through that whole thing again. Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, yes. And it is October 29th, 2018. We are on the road again. We are in the NOAA building this week. We're actually on the ship. Yes, we are in the ship. It's pretty cool. And our guest is Stephanie Gandula from NOAA. We're happy to have her on. She's going to tell us some cool stories, and we'll get to know her and all that good stuff. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Hot Take from the Kitchen. And our email address is hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. It is H-O-T-T-A-K-E-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-E-N at gmail.com. I'm trying to check email, but it won't come up. I didn't see anything that we had. Earlier today when I checked it, so I think we're good on the mail. All right, that's good. Uh, we'll do some hot takes, and the first hot take is some kids in wheelchairs in Salt Lake City got some awesome costumes, courtesy of the Shriners Hospital in Salt Lake City. And if you were to search it on Bing, it would come up, and you would see some cute kids and some nice little costumes. That's pretty cute. Because this lady took her son, who was in a wheelchair trick-or-treating a couple years ago, and she just felt bad because all these kids were just running by her son with all kinds of candy, and he wasn't getting too much, so much. So she decided to do something through Shriners, and now Shriners is putting these kids in these awesome costumes. That incorporating their, their wheelchair. Yes. That is very nice. One is in a teacup, dressed as a rabbit. Rabbits can be scary, though. There's Optimus Prime. Cool. I think I saw one where it was Woody from Toy Story. I don't know, this has nothing to do with Shriners, but I saw a Forrest Gump Halloween set. It was a kid dressed as Forrest. A kid in a wheelchair dressed as Lieutenant Dan, oh. and a girl dressed as Jenny, and they were all kids. And I was like, "And they were kids?" Yes, and I was like, "That's amazing." That's so, a good one. <laughs> but my favorite Halloween costumes I've ever seen so far was last year. Somebody made the Transformers, where the kids go down and so the like, they stand up and they're yeah. like, they actually transform. Yeah, able to it's transform. amazing. Like. First of all, on the on the on the service, it's like cool, right? But then, as a parent of kids, well, my kids are all beyond trick or treating <laughs> age. But I feel automatically like I failed my parent and my children because when you see something like that, it's like when you watch that Steve Harvey, the kids got talent. You automatically feel you left your let your kids down because like, why is my kid able to play the trombone or <clears throat> be super talented? I don't. I saw that video on Facebook. I don't know if it was from Alpina, but those three kids that were transforming. Yes. So that's that's amazing. It is. That must take a lot of time. Oh, I can't even imagine how much time it would take. Right. And dedication as a parent. Right. I know. And those kids just know how to do it too. Yeah. Well, you're guarded right on too. Your if you're gonna make it, your kids could be able to do it. I promise you. I know that's going down. So. Yeah. All right. Our second hot take is a Japanese princess renounced her royal title to marry a commoner. So I guess it's kind of a big deal in Japan. I don't know why they have to give up the royal rights or whatever. It's like the Princess Diaries, where it's like, I guess a royalty has to marry a royalty. Yeah. And she was like, forget it. It doesn't seem like that's a thing in England. 
I wonder if she has to give up her money, too. I don't know. It seemed like a big wedding. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure the parents are doing all right. Yeah. So Japanese royalty. And I'm just giving her some money under the table. But either way, it was cool. I saw that. I thought it was mm-hmm. kind of neat. Like, They're one of us. Something like that. <laughs> well, we're all just people. Yeah. yeah. All right. Our third hot take is the Boston Red Sox won the World Series last night. I was completely wrong. I had the number of games right. You did. Just the wrong team. The wrong team. So you were half right. I was not even close to being right. But I was half right. Yeah. But um I think I didn't know what team it chose, but I just felt like somebody was gonna it kinda went how I figured it would go. I just was hoping it would be the Dodgers, but and that's just the bitter tiger fan to me, really honestly, because I didn't want to see what happened happen, which is what happened. <laughs> I don't even know what the score was. That's embarrassing. I don't either. I just know that I got up this morning and I saw the Chevy Silverado on the TV, on the screen with a guy holding keys because the MVP gets a technology. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, it's a running joke. Brett and I have so um, <laughs> what's about what about 2015? They gave away a Chevy Silver Colorado to a guy, and the person they had from Chevrolet there was very nervous, ah. and you could tell the whole experience was his first time really into that and he was like hyperventilating and then he forgot what he was supposed to say so then he just goes it's our newest truck it's just got technology and stuff so then (laughs) and that still is a slogan i say to people all the time and it flies over about 99 percent of people's heads but i know every time i say it to brandy smiles so yeah all right i guess that's good enough for hot takes good hot takes yeah they were. And we had a question last week that nobody answered again. But. And the question was, what was the name of the Alpina native who led the way in ending prohibition in the United States? So, so what I think we'll do is, let's hold off on answering it this week. I'm going to try to experiment. I'll post the question to see ah. if people answered. If they do, if not, then we'll just kind of let trivia go away. All right, because we don't have a trivia question this week. Yeah, so it works both ways, too, so. We gave it a shot. So yeah. See how it goes. All right. Yes, that's all I have. Anything you want to get off your chest? We talked about that last week. I forgot what it was, though. <laughs> Fair enough. I can I, go back and find it. Well, I, I can tell you really quick. I texted you, but and it has really nothing to do with where we're going, but I honestly think Notre Dame's going to lose this week. I texted you that earlier this morning. You so. did. So, but really, I just, uh, it is what it is. So. Yeah, and I don't know what I needed to go. Well, that's good, good though. We can go back and then do triggers. You can remember it while we go through it, and then we'll start with Stephanie here. But I do have something to say. Oh, I like it. And it's nothing bad. I just I went to Thunder Bay Theater Saturday night for uh-huh. five dollar showing of Romeo and Juliet. Just want to say it was a really nice show. I didn't really know everything. That they were saying because who speaks old English? You know? <laughs> I mean, they, the actors in this play were just unbelievable. Just the emotion they were showing, a couple of them are actually really crying because it was just it was an emotional show and it got to me sometimes. I Did you cry? I didn't cry. No. Brad's a crier. I am. I'm and a that's crier. That's the subject of my positivity post that I need to post this week. 
which I notice you do your positive semi numbers right after the pot. That's when I usually have to. I kind of like it because as I get home after this, I get home, I click and I check it out, and then I have to make some smiles. So yeah. I kind of like the routine you're in right now. Anyway, uh, Jeff messaged me yesterday thanking me for coming. I was like, you know, I was going to mention it on the pod that everybody should go see Romeo and Juliet at Thunder Bay Theater. I really thought there would have been more people there Saturday night for five dollars. Right. There, I mean, there were some people, but it wasn't packed like I thought it would be. Well, there was a lot going on Saturday. Yeah, it was the zombie crawl. There was the zombie crawl. There was the deer blind giveaway, and of course, it's the, it's the yeah, it's the big Saturday before Halloween. So all the bars were doing costume contests. So. I'm not saying that it's your that's your. I'm just saying this. It was a big night. I thought there would have been more people. Yeah. It didn't have to be the 21 to 30 crowd. Anyway, yeah, two more weekends to go check it out. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Go check it out and see some really great ad. That's awesome. Yes. And you should tell them the theme of the Romeo and Juliet, which I don't know if people listen to the Jeff and the Doc pod, but you should tell yeah, them. Yeah, it's sort of updated. It's, it takes place... During Michigan, Michigan State rivalry weekend. So it's the Capulets, I think, are dressed in MSU and the Montagues are dressed in Michigan. So uh-huh. it's, it's, I'm so proud of you right now. <laughs> For knowing really, the names? I am pumped right now. So. <laughs> I really liked I enjoyed it a lot. So need something to do, go check out the play and be impressed. I'm going to go see it for sure. Not this weekend, but the next. I'm going to have to go during the week because my weekends are shot all the way through here. All Friday to there, Christmas. Well, Friday nights work. Obviously, this Friday won't work. So, yeah. all right. All right. We'll wrap it. All right. All right, Stephanie. So, um, why don't you tell everybody what you do here first at NOAA, and then we'll kind of branch out to how that all works. So. Okay. Okay. First of all, thanks so much for inviting me. Oh, yeah. In the kitchen, even though we're on a ship, but in the kitchen with you guys. This is super fun. It is. It's a galley. There's a stove right behind you. So that creaking noise is the um, some of the sound effects that you hear on the Western Hope. What I do here is I'm... Cool thing, I guess, before I'll even say my title, which, what do titles mean? (laughs) Anyway, right? Um, It's a small group here, and that means that we all get to do a little bit of everything. So right now, I'm the the research coordinator and the media coordinator. So I think I've got one of the coolest jobs, because some days I'll be out on the water, and then some days I'll be here in the exhibits. Some days I'll be back in the office. I get to work with the public all the time, and so it's always something new, something different, and I love that. Right, that's awesome. I know I've seen you on Talk of the Town and, and just a whole bunch of different things, which, I mean, the sanctuary has become such a hub to Alpena. Um, it's just kind of crazy. So, of course, we're going to see you because it is such yeah. a hub to the community. Um, so how did you get your start to where you are now? Are you, are you from Alpena? I'm not. Okay. I'm actually not from Alpena. I am from a town called Bozeman, Bozeman, Montana, Oh wow! which is a long ways away, but it is the same latitude that we are here, which oh. is kind of cool. And there's lots of similarities, a small northern town, 
Um, I've missed Montana a lot. It has beautiful, beautiful mountains, but I love the lake. So I sort of just exchanged the, the mountains for the lake. And so, yeah, that's where I came from is Montana and traveled many, many places. And maritime archaeology is kind of a second, maybe third career of mine. Uh, went to graduate school in North Carolina to become a maritime archaeologist, like all the rest of maritime archaeologists here at the sanctuary did. Okay. Uh, we're all alums of the same program. And found my way to the Great Lakes, which was pretty interesting because I, when I went to graduate school to study maritime um, archaeology, I really didn't know much about the Great Lakes. I'm ashamed to admit, but they don't cover in, in you know high school education out west. I, I'd like I, it's terrible to say, but they don't really cover Great Lakes, the significance of the Great Lakes out there. And I think that's why I've become such a champion of not only the the rich cultural resources here, but the natural resources. I mean, this is. A very important place to our planet. To cut yourself in Montana slack, it really doesn't seem like, growing up, I don't remember this much attention and um, appreciation, for lack of a better term, um, for the Great Lakes. And I think that's really come along over the past 20 years, you know, so... Um, I guess that's kind of not surprising out right. in Montana. So, um, so then, how did you end up in Alpino here at the sanctuary here? Well, I was I applied for a fellowship out going to graduate school, just wrapping up my coursework, and I applied for a fellowship up in this town called Alpina. Like, where the heck's Alpina? Where the heck's Lake Huron? <laughs> yeah. And I was fortunate enough to get the fellowship, and then the rest is history. I, I came back for a full time position and finished my thesis while I was working which is really, really hard, but I did it finally. And um, then, yes, I've been here since 2010. And the sanctuary, I think I saw online that the sanctuary opened in 2000. It, yeah, it was designated in the year 2000. Okay. So um, designated in 2000, the building, the facility here didn't open until 2000. Five, I want to say. I hope I'm getting that right. And then the big exhibits here that we're sitting in now, the big ship life-size schooner didn't uh, open until 2008. Okay. That sounds about right in my head. Because right? when I was reading, trying to research the, you know, just Noah overall for Alpina, which sounds weird, but I didn't move back to Alpina until like 2001. Okay. So like I was just getting here at the time when I moved back to the, the whole experience. And, um, it's been fun to watch once this got here, what it's really done for our community and how we've you know, identified with it. Right. I mean, even our slogan now, sanctuary, the great lakes is kind of wrapped around that. So, um, where did you come from? Where you moved away? You're from here. Okay, but you well, moved away? Yeah. So the story I always tell people is that I'm a product of divorced parents. So when my parents split, we were in the Detroit area, and my grandparents were retired auto workers. So my mom moved up here to be with them, and then my dad stayed in the Detroit area. And I would spend my school years here, and then I'd spend my summers in Detroit. So, like, my parents didn't want me to be in the school system in Detroit. But on the flip side of that, it was I never got to do all the fun things yeah. that everyone does in the summertime in Alpena. I never had any of that growing up. So the flip side, though, is that I've really, like, I know downstate really well. Like, when my wife and I visit Detroit, I'm always zooming in and out of there. And um, I'm just really comfortable down there. So, because I grew up down there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm this weird hybrid of growing up in Alpena, but having spent a lot of time downstate. And then, um, 
when I was rather young, I ended up having a kid. So then I started working. I don't know if we were, you know, I did think of this, have that episode of like a Stephen Brad episode of right. just our background. <laughs> episode four. Yeah. There we go. So, um, Your but, listeners are interested, I'm sure. Well, I think a lot of our listeners kind of, I think a lot of our listeners know me, but I think Brad's kind of mysterious in this kind of cool way. Kind of so like, I, I thought it would be kind of fun to like talk a little bit about our Saginaw Valley days, which I think are amazing. And then, um, just overall, like, but, uh, so I actually, people know me three ways really in this town now. So like in the first way is I started working at Foot Locker and then, or I was working at Foot Locker and then I entered their management program. So I did that and I bounced around and then I did my training in Flint and then they moved me down to Adrian, Michigan. So I spent like a year in Adrian or so. Well, I spent two years in Adrian, but I spent a year in that store. And then what happened was they told me that it's time to kind of move. You can either choose between Indianapolis, New York, or Chicago. And of course, I was like 21 at the time, 20. And the whole idea of like moving to New York City from coming from Alpino was just like going to the moon. And I just had my second kid. And I was just like, ah. So um, I quit Full Locker and I worked for GM, uh, Glass Factory. They were making windshields and stuff. Well, then in the, at two, in the year 2000, the auto industry kind of, mm. so then I, we came home and I've been back since. Gotcha. <laughs> and then I worked at Family Video, which I think we've talked on the pot here. My biggest regret was when I got laid off from GM. I had my two kids at the time, and I was collecting a nice GM unemployment. And every day I would come to town and I'd rent a movie for Family Video, and I'd take my kids to the playground. And that's all I did. I mean, I just would let them walk around on the playground and we'd go out for lunch or whatever we do. And um, I got guilted into working because everybody was like, well, what are you going to do? And now I look back, I really wish I would have taken more advantage of that time yeah. with my kids. Yeah. You know, but I just since 2020. Right. So I ended up working at Family Video for a long time. And so I was a manager of that. And that's the other way a lot of people know me. And then finally, now it's like Garrison Clemens. Ah. So that's kind of a short, condensed version of me. Brad's like, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um, the sanctuary, um, I know you guys, I wanted to talk about your role book. The girls oh, roll yeah. every morning. So not every morning, but <laughs> when, well, not everyone. So when did you guys start that? So that is such a cool connection that we have with the Heritage Coast Sailing and Rowing Group. They're based out of Tawas, nonprofit group, and it's this group of uh, mainly older gentlemen, retired gentlemen that want to build boats. And they worked with a naval designer and historian, so Pat Labadee, uh, one of the amazing uh, maritime historians here in the area. Uh, and they worked together to use the Mackinac boat, the traditional historical Mackinac boat design, which is pretty much like the pickup trucks of the late 1800s, early 1900s. So like the schooner that we're sitting in right here was like the semi-trucks of the day. Okay. But the Mackinac boats were like the pickup trucks. So really, you know, work boats, hauling fish, um, hauling goods, hauling people. And so that rowboat is what is, um, that is based on. It's a, a Mackinac design. And it can be sailed or rowed. And so what these this group is doing is they want to emulate a community sailing uh, program that they witnessed in Scotland. 
where each of the communities get together and build their own boat. And then a couple times a year, they come together and race and have a regatta. And it's a great way to get the community together to not only spend the time in the workshop building, but then also to, to race them, whether it's sailing or rowing. So they have built a number of boats and they are so generous that they have let us borrow this boat for the whole summer and then get people out there and, and row it. And it is, I've been on boats, uh, you know, all sorts of different types of boats and, you know, water activities, diving, snorkeling, but it's very peaceful out there when you're rowing. It's a heck of a good workout right by the water. I'll take you guys rowing next summer if you want to go. Yes. It's fun. It's fun. It looks like a blast. And um, I like that it's, I mean, not that we're intruding, but I love it. It seemed like you had a really good group of girls. Yeah. You know, and it we seemed, did. Yeah. Well, and we weren't trying to make it exclusive at all. Like, mm -hmm. um, and I think the only limitation is we got to take care of the boat. So we didn't, it was hard to like say, hey, everybody come row. Because um, it was, really isn't our boat. <laughs> so right. we had to take care of it. And so we just sort of hand selected a few people, but we really have seen, I mean, a lot of interest. And so what we're going to do next year, it's very exciting. We've tried to do it this year, but we ran out of time. We're going to do a, um, a, a regatta and have boats from all around the Great Lakes, historic wooden vessels, because there's all of, lots of them all around, different types um, come here for a regatta. And we went two years ago, two years? Last year. Maybe it was just last year to Marquette. To, we hauled our boat up there okay. and participated in a regatta. We lost <laughs> really badly. We got cream. We were like, they were sitting drinking beers on the beach when we finally rode in. But I, we really want to do a regatta here, and we're going to call it the Boneyard Row. Oh, fun. So I guess if you were in a competition, I guess that boat isn't exactly built for speed, though, either. That's a good point. <laughs> Very good observation. Well, so, because I know this is also involved with the sanctuaries, I, I did the battle for the kayaks, uh -huh. battle for the paddles one year. Yeah. And I was dead last. And what I realized in that, when I was, in that whole experience is everyone that beat me certainly wasn't stronger than me, but they had long and pointy kayaks. Yeah. And they were just like... Flying, yeah, flying through the water. And I just remember, like, just working my tail off the whole time. And I'm like, what is going on? Because you're watching somebody with a, you know, a 20-foot thin one literally just paddling a little bit and just, like, just yeah. blowing you out of the water. So um, I'm sure, depending on who you raced, right. I'm sure that had played a factor. Well, we were pretty inexperienced. And the other boat that beat us, well, a bunch of boats beat us, but one of them had more rowers and a just like you're commenting on a sleeker design. and um, But I have watched videos of people doing these rowing races and they move fast. I mean, the, the people that are trained to do it and right. actually practice. Because yeah. <laughs> we, when we go out, we're just sort of kind of lollygagging around, you know, enjoying a nice, we try to get some good exercise, but we're not going as fast as we can. And when we did that race in Marquette, I have never rowed so hard. And for so we did for like, 40 minutes probably, we just rode as fast as we could. Because you know how you get in that action, you don't want to be too humiliated. <laughs> so right. We, I could, we never practiced like that at all. We still don't practice like that at all. <laughs> well, I so would think that's a whole different kid in Kabulu. Yeah. And it made me think of the cardboard regatta um, that we have on and off participated throughout the years. Um, I think we've done two. We've done two of the eight or six or seven eight. Or eight, yeah, seven like or eight yeah. some. So um, last year we had some friends from Kansas. Um, they wanted to be a part of it. So we built the boat. And what was your boat? 
I don't remember what it was called. We named it after Will. Oh, that's right. The SS Laser. That's exactly what we called <laughs> How it. How did you get it? So, oh, no, it didn't even make it through. And, <laughs> you know, so the first year we did it, we did it after Clash Clans. We called it a Hog Rider. We'd be in a big, giant, big boat, oh. which for some reason is on the wall in Neiman's. If you look up at the cardboard boat regatta picture they have really? over their wall, yeah, the boat's up there. We always laugh at it. Oh, but um, it was really big and, like, just way too big. Yeah. But it. it did well. Like, in fact, I think if we could have just done a couple more things, they really would have had a chance. So this time we were trying to make it a little bit longer to and narrower, and we used carpet tubes. We uh, thought which we could make ballast, perhaps, and it just no. didn't work. The whole thing just <laughs> disintegrated even worse. So Was I the think water cold? I, I didn't do it. Oh. His brother-in-law and his friend. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they had the enough food for very many people. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. You're gonna do it next year. We've talked about it because there is a person in the family that really wants to do this, and it's just a matter of. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. I think we all know that. So, um, Brad's nephew really wants to participate uh-huh. in the regatta, and um, so it's just a matter of figuring out what to build, and because he's obviously a small child, so. <laughs> Well, you could not. put the Hot Takes logo on it. Wouldn't that, be <laughs> that would be interesting. Definitely a thought. So, Okay. Well, why don't we take a break here, and we'll come back, and I want to talk about um, some of the happenings here at the Sanctuary, and then, of course, um, um, your film. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So you guys have a lot of programs here um, through the sanctuary. I know one of those programs, Brad's a big recycler. And if you ever come to his house or when you come to his kitchen, he's got a whole recycling corner that people tend to um, put their recycling in. <laughs> well, no, they, they discuss it because everybody's right. like, oh my gosh, you recycle Brad. Cause, you know, you. Yeah, it's it's there. and it's Maybe it's the lack of organization of the whole thing <laughs> by people commenting on it. But it doesn't matter either That's way. That's a challenge to keep it organized. Yeah. Well, my parents took care of it last week. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, I know you guys do a thing with Float. Or we do. Um, so it's a it's a uh, affiliated with the sanctuary. We have a lot of our meetings here, uh, and, but it's a 4-H club, 4-H youth club, and it's called Plastics Float. And the float is an acronym, which stands for for the love of Alpina today. And way back in, I think, 2012, um, it was started by Hannah McDonald, who's since graduated from Michigan State, but she was, she took sanctuary, excuse me, she took the Shipwreck Alley class at the Alpena High School and was exposed to all the stuff with National Marine Sanctuaries, different ocean education, and was very inspired to start this group. And it's had ups and downs with participation just because of the adult coordinators, like myself, because it takes time. Um, But we're looking for new students to join for Plastics Float. And what it's all about is encouraging people to reduce their use of single-use plastics. I mean, that's like the main thing. Of course, we talk about recycling and, of course, um, zero waste events like the downtown chowder event. Um, we, the plastics float kids worked hard to make that a zero waste event, but really it's all about reducing your use. So that single use plastic water bottle, yeah. you know, we, 
we didn't need them before. You know, we got water in our systems before there were plastic bottles, plastic straws, another thing you don't need, and plastic single-use plastic bags. Yeah. So the, the kids are great. I mean, that's what makes that, that whole project so rewarding because the kids are the ones who are the champions. Right. I know we've had this discussion on the pod before, but I think it was Michelle McEwen that really spent some time talking. I don't know what somebody talked about, but I don't like straws, which it helps me out. So I yeah. don't, I don't, I'm not a straw person. But um, Brad's really good at recycling. I was, in fact, he inspired us because we do it now. So just because of Brad. So. Um, that's Chris Harris. Well, then your parents. Right. So, yeah. And then what really helped us, I think what was the final, like, okay, we can do this, was we found that there's a recycling facility right behind the Neiman's, which is like a block from our house. So we were like, we have literally no excuse not to do this now because it is right there. So now we just, you know, once a week go over there and dump our plastic in the plastic or cardboard in the cardboard. Right. Right. Um, Is there any other programs that? kind of run through here that you want to discuss? Or? Sure. Well, yeah. you know, we have so many programs. Where do right. I start? I mean, right now I'm thinking about film festival, even though right. it's not until January, but I'm now working on planning it. That's a super cool program because we've incorporated a lot of educational components to it. So we take these films and most of these films, you can't, you can't just go on YouTube and find them or see them. You can't just rent them at this video store. Um, you, it's part of this film festival collection that we get a new one every year. And so we take this collection to the students. We take it to Alpena High School. We um, work on getting grants to bus kids here to see the movies. And that's probably my favorite part about film festivals. These kids are seeing these films that they're not going to see anywhere else. And then we have a discussion with the kids after. And that's a lot of fun, too. So film festivals coming up. That's super cool. We always have our um, lectures and um, movies, you know, every month, which is fun. We've got a great film coming up on November 23rd, right after Thanksgiving, called November Requiem. It's a, a documentary uh, made by Anne and Brian Bellinger, brother-sister team from Roger City. And it's all about the sinking of the Carl D. Bradley. Do you guys know about that? I've heard of the Bradley before. Yeah. Um, and it was from, I think, Roger City People is the yes. reason I've heard about it. So. Yeah, it was uh, sank in 1958 in Lake Michigan. But like over 20 of the 33 sailors on board, I mean, everybody went down, um, were from Roger City. And that being such a tiny town, obviously, it affected them terribly. And this documentary is an excellent insight into maritime history, but also a, a, just a beautiful film about how this community dealt with that. And that's free um, on November 23rd. So we're always trying to keep this visitor center here that we're sitting in this boat it's a, a like a hub. I love that you said a hub because this is kind of a community center. I mean, people can have birthday parties and showers and events here and you can come and, you know, you know, this would be a fun place to come and have a cup of coffee with a friend now that we yeah. have chairs in the boat yeah. or come shopping in the sanctuary gift shop. So there's, it's always a place to come back to and it's free and open year round. So it's, it's a cool place to hang out. I actually love that it's open year round because so much of our stuff can be touristy, you know, which tends to be summer based, but I do know that we do have a strong winter presence, yeah. you know, with the skiing and the snowmobiling and all the other even hockey alone, when we get hockey tournaments, people come from all around the state of Michigan, of course. You know. yeah. um, are we the only NOAA in the Great Lakes? We're the only National Marine Sanctuary okay. in the Great Lakes. So it's uh, the way it works is 
we're like national parks, but where national parks are in the department of under the Department of the Interior, we're under the Department of Commerce. And okay. so under Department of Commerce then is NOAA, and then under NOAA, you've got fisheries, you've got weather service, of course, and then you have the National Ocean Service. And then within National Ocean Service, that's where National Marine Sanctuaries fall. Okay. So um, there are other NOAA entities in the Great Lakes. Um, lots of fisheries, obviously, and lots of weather. We experienced lots of weather here. So big, a good NOAA um, presence here in the Great Lakes, but we still are the only freshwater national marine sanctuary. Okay. I thought I remember reading, and that's probably why I read it, that we were the only one, but then I read that there other entities, so I guess that's probably why I kind of got into stuff like that. Yeah, so we partner with the other NOAA line offices they call them so for example the great lakes environment noah's great lakes environmental research laboratory which is based down in ann arbor and muskegon they run they do all sorts of science but they also um, provide our vessels so they run all, all the all the noah boats come out all the NOAA boats operating the great lakes come out of those offices oh cool um yeah okay so to kind of bring it full circle i know you talked a little bit about the film festival that you guys run and i know two things one I've been kind of working over all year. Because Mary Beth told me two years ago, she goes, you always take so much. I used to, well, I still have my GoPro, but I used to take a lot of GoPro footage yeah. around Alpine. She goes, you should put it all together for fresh steaks. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do it. And then last year I saw a couple of people do it. And I was like, well, I know I can do better than that. <laughs> so this year I've been saving footage. for. I've been taking video all around Alpine all like since the winter started all the way through it and I've been trying to collect it and then I'm working with a friend and we're going to try to put it all together to enter but I know last year at the, the film festival you had a movie mm-hmm. and, and it was called The Big Five Dive The Big Five Dive that's right and um, why don't you tell I kind of know what it's about but okay. why don't you probably do a lot better job of talking about it than <laughs> I do well um, the film was uh, directed and edited by Elizabeth Kaiser who lives in Georgia now, but she's an Alpina native. Uh, she's been away for quite a few years, but she's a successful professional filmmaker. And so, yeah, so she, I was part of the team that came up with the idea to do it, but she was this, the actual artistic skill that made this film. Um, Great Lakes Divers, my husband's dive shop, was one of the, the producers of it. Mm-hmm. They provided dive gear. Um, but the... The concept is what I'm getting to slowly. The concept of the Big Five Dive was my good friends Jackie uh, Edwards and uh, Megan Goss and I. Uh, they're both new divers, newer divers, and we we're trying to figure out something cool to do for Patty Women's Dive Day. Patty Women's Dive Day is just an annual event that the Patty is the professional association of dive instructors, and it's the biggest certifying scuba certifying agency in the world so they're massive they have a huge reach um millions and millions and we thought we could do all these things we could just go do a dive we could have this you know all sorts of ideas and some friends of ours and we've heard of other people who dive or sweep you know know people that swam in all five great lakes Um, people love those those numbers thing, you know? Right. And um, we thought, well, why don't we do that? We'll do dive a shipwreck in each of the Great Lakes and we'll do it in less than 24 hours. And so we attempted that and we, we did accomplish it. We did it. We finished at 1030 at night, uh, started at midnight and um, it turned out to be, you know, 14 women joined us from all over the world. 
came and, and joined us for this. And then we were like, are you crazy? Why are you flying here from New York City to do this? But they did. And it was great exposure for the Great Lakes. And the film has actually been accepted to like 13 or 14 different film festivals around the country. And I'm very excited to be going at the end of this week to the biggest film festival it's been accepted to is the Savannah Film Festival, the Savannah um, Art School. I can't remember the exact name, but they have a pretty fancy, renowned um, art school there that puts on this huge film festival. And lots of famous people go, and I'm lucky enough that I get to go because <laughs> the filmmakers live there in Savannah, so I can crash at their oh. pad and, and go see the movie on the big screen. And So... Um I watched the trailer and then of course I kind of researched a backstory. So why don't you tell me where you started and then how you maybe went through the process of choosing your sites as you went along. So that was the big part of the fun was doing the reconnaissance mission. So Jackie and Megan and I did three or four trips around the great lakes before. So it was July 16, 2016. And so we spent May and June kind of, you know, road tripping around the great lakes and, and looking for places to go and we, the cool part about it was we had to do quite a bit of, you know, inroads with the local communities. And we wanted it to be not just sneak in and sneak out. We wanted to involve the local community. So we invited, when we finally landed on a place to dive, we were like, oh, invite the local dive shop. Come on out and dive with us. And that did happen a couple of places. Um, but we wanted to start in Lake Superior in order to uh, go from north to south and kind of the, and also go the way the lakes flow. And so we went midnight, we went to uh, Pendles Creek fish hatchery when there was a little, just asking around, we found that there was a little um, wooden unidentified wooden vessel there off the beach. So our recon there, it's a beautiful day and the water was just like totally flat calm. And it's like, Oh, this is going to be perfect. Cause a lot of the divers that were going to join us were going to be, you know, pretty new divers. And so that was like, Oh, it's going to be awesome. But we get there at midnight on July 16th, July 15th and the crashing waves, like an entirely different place. <laughs> Everybody made it out there, but um, it was, it's kind of interesting. It really shows how dynamic the great lakes are and how they can change and how serious the, the water is here. Right. And then we went to Lake Michigan and we did um, at the Headwaters Dark Sky Park. Yeah. Have you guys visited there? Yeah, I have, yes. Yeah, I just was diving there and there's another, like in the Lake Michigan side, just off to the west, there's a little, little bay and there's another unidentified wooden wreck there. And that was, it was funny to go from Lake Superior, it was crashing waves and pretty intense and then we went to the Lake Michigan site and it was beautifully calm and we saw the moon rise there or set I'm trying to think which would it be it was like two in the morning so I guess it was setting right <laughs> Not an astronomer. and then we went to my favorite spot in the whole thing which was in a, san in a sanctuary shipwreck so it was 40 mile point off of um, up north of Roger City have you guys been there yes love that place have you snorkeled the shipwreck there no and what was interesting is we just visited 40 mile point Memorial or Labor Day, beginning or end of this summer is what <laughs> yeah. And um, it had to be Memorial Day. And we, we climbed up in there, and we get up there, and then the lady's talking about it. She goes, yeah, you could see it. And it was just a perfect day where you could see the shipwreck. Yeah. And I was like, son of a gun, you can almost swim out to that. Like, yeah. You know, and, yeah, so I was like, we – my wife and I said next summer we definitely have to go out there because it's so easy to get to, not like some of the other ones. I know the one up in by uh, Bell Bay. Oh, Bell Bay, yeah. yeah, that one's pretty easy to get to do too. I know we they did we did that one this summer um, with her brother uh -huh. and um, his wife, but um, 
Yeah, definitely cool. Yeah, that the wreck there is called the Joseph S. Fay. Went down in 1905. I think it was 1905, October of 1905. And then the first mate drowned, but the rest of the crew survived. And did you see the part of it on the shore? No. Yeah, so there's part of it, the side of it's on the beach there. Okay. And then you can go out and snorkel or scuba dive the rest of it. And it's definitely the biggest wreck that we did in the big five dive. Oh, okay. Because those, those shallow sites, especially shore accessible, are pretty, they can be kind of beat up. And But this one, the Fay is like, definitely it's very shippy looking. You've got the big hole there and the, the rudders laying off to the side. So we did that about sunrise. And then we had the worst part of the trip because it was like a seven-hour drive to Lake Erie in July. Exhausted. (laughs) And we went to a private place. It was really tough to find a – that's what's special about Thunder Bay. We can talk about that a little bit later. Like, I mean, there are shipwrecks all over the Great Lakes, but accessibility is the trick, right? Accessibility is what makes us special here in in, um, the sanctuary. But we went to – we started um, investigating back on our recon – local divers there and they said this one lady was off of her neighbor's um lawn go hop right into lake erie and swim out a bit and there was the penelope which was i guess the only identified oh and the thing no so the penelope was um, a wooden tub and we went out there and that one was another really really rough like we almost didn't get in the water there it was so rough then we hopped in the car again and went to lake ontario and we ended up diving some hotel docks there because the we couldn't find a shallow shipwreck. I mean, there's lots of deep wrecks in Lake Ontario and and some shallow shore-based ones up the road, but we wanted to stay in the U.S. And um, so we thought, well, you know, it's still historic. Right. So we doped those docks at about 1030 at night. That's cool. So um, how did it feel when you guys got all done? I was exhausted and hungry and relieved like not even relieved and like oh yay we did it i was like oh thank god this is done whose idea was this (laughs) i remember when i was researching a little bit past couple days i saw that you actually had this plan well before someone decided they were going to film it like you guys yeah yeah, you guys already decided you were going to Right. Try to do this trip before we and were then, like the filming was just kind of like um in fact liz kaiser the, the filmmaker her husband had just got certified to scuba dive and so we you know became friends with them and we're like oh you guys they come to alpina every summer and we're like oh you should come for this and film it if you want because we're going to do it no matter what and it just kind of was fortuitous that it got i'm thrilled that it got more exposure because i've had i've gone to film festivals and shown, been there and shown the film. And I've had young women come up and say, oh my gosh, I never thought I could scuba dive. And this film's inspiring me to do so. And that's what makes it all worth it right there. That is cool. I know on my wife and I's honeymoon, we went to New York. And when we were cut through on our, on our way over, we actually saw, you know, stopped at Lake Ontario. Yeah. And it's weird because, you know, all the other lakes are so close. You know, just to go over to Traverse City or like Michigan and then to go to the UP, all of a sudden you're at Superior. But Lincoln Street was really far away. Yeah. So, and I I had fortune. The Jacobsons are from here on Ohio. So they live right on Lake Erie. So Lake Erie growing up was kind of part of my life too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of neat. Lake Ontario is pretty cool. I, I was just diving there last week. Part of our team here was collecting invasive mussels uh, for another NOAA office. Um, to to study and they they use the mussels to study water quality and it's indicative of all the contaminants that are in the water and just they study amazing things with those mussels so we'll go down we're just kind of the 
the tools, you know, they go down, put the muscles in a bag, and then they they freeze them right away, and then they ship them out to universities all over the country. Huh. That's what I did last week. Crazy. Wow. So that kind of puts all that in. So then I thought what we would do next is then we need to talk about some of the shipwrecks in our area. Sure. Kind of make it like a little Halloween theme to bring in that full circle. Um, and then from there, we'll do our top five. Uh, where's Halloween candy? So, um, <laughs> now do you guys come up with that or do, do I get to have input? You, yes, you do. hundred okay. <laughs> percent. If you want, um, I know my, mine are short and sweet. So there's no pun intended. Yeah. It was, yeah. The little ones, so. <laughs> All right. So we'll wrap it up here and then we'll come back. We'll discuss shipwrecks. So I'm going to level with you. The one shipwreck I knew most growing up was Edmund Fitzgerald, obviously. Yeah. No I surprise. Think, yeah. I think everyone, and that was probably more because Allison's, my wife's had a twin brother. He's absolutely obsessed yeah. with that. He makes his students and his classes in that song every year. And, um, it's a great song. Well, you have to understand, maybe I should give some background on that. He teaches in an area where it's 85% Hispanic. Mm-hmm. So he makes these Hispanic kids sit down and listen to that song every day. Do they like it? <laughs> they, they just are like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but um, it's amazing nonetheless. So, um, yeah. And then when I was kind of going through to try to find, like, for the lack of, like, a top shipwrecks or whatever, yeah. like, most, you know, um, compelling, um, I saw a lot where in the – some in the UP, obviously, like Superior, because it seems like – the most treacherous weather happens up there. Yeah. And then uh, Port Sanilac seem to have, or like in the Thumb area, tend to have a lot of shipwrecks in that area too. And I guess I really don't understand that, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you probably know <laughs> why. Well, you know, the thing is, there's shipwrecks, there truly are shipwrecks all over the Great Lakes, like thousands and thousands. Some say 6,000, some say 10,000. And it's no surprise because it has been, I mean, it still is a very, very busy waterway. Still, you know, a lot of millions and billions of dollars of um, goods shipped around the Great Lakes. So still very busy. It's just that what um, 200 schooners could haul, now it only takes one big big freighter that you right. see out there. So very busy waterway. You have all that busyness, you're going to have collisions and you're going to have abandonments. A lot of our wrecks are just abandoned, um, you know, workhorses. So, yes, there's wrecks all over the Great Lakes. Um, there's the big storied wrecks like the Edmund Fitzgerald and a lot of the deeper wrecks off the thumb. But what I think is special about Thunder Bay is that, in the area around here, is that there's a lot of wrecks that are accessible. You can't get to the Edmund Fitzgerald because it's very, very deep. Some people have been there, but it's also off limits because it's a great site. That's an extreme example. But you were talking earlier about the, the Portland dead Bell Bay. I mean, that's accessible to many, many people, way more people than can dive to 200 feet, than can dive to 60 feet. So accessibility is one one of the main reasons this place is so special. And then also the diversity, not that just the diversity of depths, but the diversity of the types of ships. So name a ship type, and we've got it here in the sanctuary, especially since some um, Last year, we discovered a whaleback, which is a unique, uh, nearly unique. There was only three built like it. Um, We discovered that ship, the Choctaw, last year. But we've got old wooden schooners, like the one we're sitting in here, Um, big steel freighters and um, paddle wheelers. So a whole bunch of different types of wrecks represented here in the sanctuary. So that's why we are special. And I think I saw at least over 200 wrecks. 
Yes, that's what we estimate. We've identified 99. I believe that's the number we're using now. Um, we've identified 99 shipwrecks, and we estimate there's at least that many more. Wow. So is it going to be like a pop of champagne when you hit 100? Oh, yeah. yeah. Just, I hadn't thought of that, but there should be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know that. So where, where does the sanctuary boundaries start and then? So it's 4,300 square miles, and it includes the um, Presque Isle County. So just take the county line of Presque Isle County out to the Canadian border. Okay. And then all the way south to Alcona County, the southern line of Alcona County. So it's those three counties. And there's a little bit, um, like a little area up north around Spectacle Reef um, okay. off Sheboygan that's included. But, um, yeah, that's the sanctuary boundaries. It used to be back in um, before 2014, it was only 448 square miles. Right. But it expanded in 2014 uh, due to grassroots um, efforts to that 4,300 square miles. I remember the celebration yeah. when it opened up bigger. I remember um, at least it was made to feel like it was a big deal. But it was, it it, was a big deal. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, Bob so. Ballard came, who discovered the Titanic. He came and uh, helped celebrate with us. That's crazy. So um, I guess so in our sanctuary, which ones are most monumental or yeah. – um, so that's a great question. There's so many shipwreck stories. There's, how do I choose my favorite? Hmm. I can tell a kind of a funny story. Yeah, that works. I don't know if it's funny. It is a shipwreck. Yeah. <laughs> but so one of the most visited is the Monahansett, which is off of the southern shore of Thunder Bay Island. Okay. The glass bottom boat, Lady Michigan, visits there often. Um, and the story about that, it did sink in a storm in... October or November, and um, it actually it was riding out the storm, and it's, it was a wooden vessel, and it was hauling coal, and somebody dropped an engine, uh, dropped an engine, dropped a lantern in the engine room, and so oh. it burned. Um, so it was a combination of firestorm, and the crew, all the crew was rescued by the life-saving station crew that was living on the island. So imagine that. It's like midnight and you're going to row out in bad weather and save these people. And that's what they did. So that was this, that's the story of how the Monahansa got here in the sanctuary. But um, years before that, the captain of the, the helmsman of the Monahansa was up, I believe it was up in Lake Superior and he was in a terrible storm. This is a newspaper report. He's in a terrible, terrible storm and such that a wave crashes over and washes him off the boat. But then the next wave comes and washes him back on. Jeez. <laughs> So those kinds of stories, too. But I bet he felt pretty lucky. Um, another kind of uh, dumb luck story was the Portland. So that's yeah. that old wooden schooner off of Belle Bay. And it was a terrible storm again. We know they happen here. And it, uh, the, it was hauling salt. And it was run up on the, on the shoals there. You've seen it's very shallow. And there the storm subsides. And the, the captain... It was the captain gets off the ship, heads into town to try and figure out what to do or communicate with the owner, and leaves the first mate in charge of the, the Portland that's sort of sitting there, you know, on the you know waiting to see what happens. Now there's rumor that another, not rumor, reports that another storm is coming. So the ships have passed by, and they're like, "Do you need some help? We'll pull you off." And the the first mate didn't want to commit. So this is like middle management, poor decision-making right here. He didn't want to um, commit because it would cost money. Like that's how sometimes you make a little extra money. You go by, hey, there's a ship on the rocks. Hey, I'll, you know, I'll pull you off for, you know, some amount of money. 
And the first mate was like, I don't know if I can commit to that. I don't know if my captain would want me to do that. And the, the captain of the other vessel was like, well, there's another storm coming. So don't be a fool. You better do it. And the guy said no. And then a storm came. And that's how it ended up being um, permanently there. Huh. So oh, that's crazy. Those are a couple of stories. Then there's other ones, like much more tragic ones. Uh, the Kuabek is a good example of that. That is a big palace steamer, a big steamship that was hauling lots of people and lots of cargo, bulk cargo, package cargo. The bulk cargo was hundreds of tons of copper. And it was August 1865. And the Quabix, it's a beautiful calm night, and it's steaming along, and it's heading south. And the meteor is heading north, sister ship, so built in the same shipyard. And for some reason... The, the Puabix helmsman veers off course and the meteor, they slam into each other. The meteor's bow digs a big 12-foot hole in the side of the Puabix. And within half an hour, the Puabix, 165 feet down with, um, they estimate over 30 people went down with it. But they rescued like over 150. Wow. So, there's, so the Puabix is out there and it's 165 feet deep and it's a gravesite. <laughs> Um, and I think I've seen that one upstairs, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, the story is up yeah. there, mm-hmm. and the model. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's crazy. So, well, that's awesome. I know. I've really just, for lack of a better term, <laughs> really just trying to get into the sanctuary more. Which I know yeah. that's, that's your slogan. So, get into um, your sanctuary. That's yeah, right. Yeah, and um, we've done a, we've made an effort to try to do more, and hopefully we'll try. You know, we've stand up but we've uh, kayaked but we've not like really dove down there lately so hopefully that'll be something we can do in the summer so snorkeling is is super fun yeah that's not that cold (laughs) okay it's pretty cold yeah well i mean that's all relative right so i mean yeah i understand um also before i forget i'd like to thank you and the great lake divers for always donating to the united way you guys always are so good about that and um I always really appreciate it. So good, we're, um, we're happy to do that. Um, since I brought it up, I know we just got I just got my first update of the year, and we have raised one hundred and two thousand dollars. So we're almost we're at like forty seven percent. So we're almost half of the way there. But about I mean, supposedly it ends at the top of the year, at the end of the year, but they usually extend it through February. So I really feel like fundraising season goes all the way through February. Yeah. Yeah. Keep yeah. up the good work. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we'll round it out and then we'll, I guess we'll talk about top five then. I could sneak, can I sneak in a shipwreck joke? Please. Before? Yes. We had dad jokes two, three weeks ago. Oh, did you? Oh, this is a bad one. No. Well, maybe you should <laughs> go back and listen to that one. You, oh, you know what's amazing? I got to tell you something really quick that um, before you told your joke. Yes. You know how we had dad jokes with Justin? Yep. And then Justin told the one joke and he goes, Allison, what blah, blah, blah. He explained the joke after he told it. So we were driving and we were listening to that. And Allison didn't get the joke. And then Jess goes, so if Allison's listening, it's this and this. She goes, oh, okay, I get it. She actually sat, was listening to it. I was sitting next to her. And she goes, oh, okay, I get it. It was by far the best moment I've had. So, all right, I'm ready for your super show. Okay, what lies at the bottom of the lake and shakes? A nervous wreck. Uh, I like it. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, right? Are you going to use that one for your? You should, I think you should tell that one to Zach. We'll see. Awesome. I can remember it. 
All right. So uh, we'll wrap it up and we'll move on to our top five. Great. Sounds good. All right. Now we are on to our top five. And this week's top five is top five worst Halloween candy. And I have to admit, I do eat some of these things still, so they're pretty bad. Uh, just some honorable mentions. Candy corn. Your candy corn is an honorable mention? Yes. All right. Cichlids. Oh, I like those. They're good. <laughs> and... That's about it. So, my number five are the orange and black wrapped peanut butter thingies. I don't know what exactly they are, but. Peanut butter kisses, they're called, I think. <laughs> just in plain black and orange wrappings. It's like peanut butter or taffy. Yeah. I, I think that's what good. it's supposed to be. I know what you're talking about. That could be, that's an honorable mention for me, but yeah. It's easy for me. I just picture me going through a bag of Halloween candy as a kid and what I gave to my sister, and that's what I'm <laughs> so, I was, uh, I still eat it, but it's just it's not what I would want for me. Okay, so honorable mention for me. That's a great honorable mention for me, first and foremost, was change. So, like, you ever have people that give you yeah, money on their Halloween? Like a quarter or something? Yeah, I hated when people gave me change, which... Probably seems weird, but I was just like, I don't care. I'm here for the candy. And the other, another honorable entry for me was apples or fruit. If somebody gave me apples or fruit, I was always annoyed by that too. Because inevitably we would have somebody that would always do that. So my favorite thing on the other hand, when I growing up, and anyone listens knows it's like if you went on Dow Road, back behind the golf course, there are people that gave you cans of pop. Huh? Back there. Yeah, and like that was always my favorite. Like, absolutely get that can of pop. We cracked that puppy open right when we were going. Slug it down. <laughs> All right. So, number five for me, you're not going to be happy with this, I don't think, but it's going to be the strawberry Charleston chew. I know you're not happy, but I don't like anything fruity and chocolatey. So, I don't like raspberry coffee or anything like that. So, I don't like that. So, that's my number five. You don't like chocolate and fruit mixed together? Yeah, I like chocolate covered strawberries, chocolate covered cherries. Oh. I don't like any of that. Mm. I can do a shape I know. <laughs> it's not my list. Yeah, it's not your list. But it's good because I, I like that you don't like it. I mean, this is what makes the variety is the spice of life. So, it's great. Number five. Number five. So I had a hard time with this because when I was looking up like what other people might think, all the candies that nobody liked are the ones that I liked. <laughs> so I felt a little bit like a freak. But I would say number five, I don't have any honorable mentions, but number five is, this sounds kind of judgmental, but like homemade stuff, like a, a popcorn ball or something yes. that somebody and they wrapped it and yep. you're like, I, I'm not sure of this. It's a, good, it's a very good call. Yeah. yeah, so that's my number five. Or a caramel apple. You're right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number four is good and plenty. Oh, my favorite candy of all. I'm just <laughs> I'm not a big black licorice. Maybe. Well, and that's okay. So number four is a plan yours. I don't like black licorice, period. So anything that fell under the black licorice umbrella became there. So good and plenty and black licorice. No. Yeah. And those little 
gun, they have like a black licorice. I think they're like black and pink. Uh, they're like the black oh, and orange yeah, ones. I know what you mean. I like but them. they're like licorice. No, I'm out. It's huh? no for me. So yeah, I'm done with those. So. so good and plenty's are actually my favorite candy. So I tell people that, and they say, "Oh, what are you like a ninety year old lady?" My mom loves good plenty's. <laughs> so like, I'm that's cool. I mean, but no, it's definitely not for me. Okay, so number four for me, and this is only on Halloween that I'm saying it's not a good because <laughs> other times of the year they're all right, but it's Tootsie Rolls. They're kind of a cop-out for giving out candy, Tootsie Rolls. Maybe in March I'll like them, but not in October. Those little ones. Yeah. I mean, the bigger ones. Yeah, that's true. Get those all the time. Those little ones, they get, they get warm. And yeah. yeah. All right. Number three are the waxy pumpkins. Mm. It's just a mini pumpkin. Well, I'll talk about that later. That's a great choice. I'm very happy with that. <laughs> I don't like those either. I'm glad you approve. I don't like those well, either. I mean, I hadn't thought of them though. Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't know my top two, and this sort of one's giving me fits. Oh, do I want to go with that one or that one? It's a tough choice. It is. All right, so I'm going to say it, even though I know My number three thing that I don't like are um, milk duds. Now, hear me out. Killing me here. <laughs> Was that one of yours, or do you like milk duds? No, I like milk duds. Everybody loves milk duds. I like milk duds. But for some reason, it seems like, and I don't know if it's because it's at nighttime and it's cold or oh. whether they're old, but I cannot stand when they're hard and they're, like, yucky. And it seems like every time, like if you were to go buy a box of milk duds at Walmart and eat them, they'd be fine. I'm all about that. But I don't like it when they're old. And they're, it seems like when you get that little one-inch box, they're nasty in there. And I just, so there. I said my piece. It's fine. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's weird, but... It's it's more of how much I love no duds and I hate when they're in, when they're really. Bad. I asked you. Okay. Um, number three for me would be the dum dums. That's another one that's kind of a cop out for Halloween. Yeah. You I know, agree. you get dum dums anytime you go to the bank. You know, you want something special for Halloween. All right. Number two are Necco wafers. I don't think they've produced a new Necco wafer since the 50s, and they're just leftovers. They taste like it. <laughs> I like that. That's a good point. I didn't even think of Necco wafers. I will tell you, my number two is not going to make Griffin James happy, and it's Peeps. So, do they do those for Halloween though? Peeps is like I just don't like anything. I have circus peeps. So, oh yeah. So any type of marshmallow, I'm not a big fan of anything marshmallowy. So that makes a mallow cup. Mm. I just don't. I'm out. So no s'mores. Either. If you ever watch me eat a s'mores, <laughs> we've ate a lot of s'mores together. And if you ever watch me eat a s'mores, there's a good chance that I'll eat the marshmallow separate, and then I'll eat. The Graham Packer and I the never really watched you very closely. Yeah, I just I like marshmallows, but I just like them toasted perfectly and separate, which I know it's weird. So, but then again, I don't like fruit and coffee, so like, yeah, it is what it is. 
So I have a number one for sure, but the number two, I'm kind of having a hard time landing on. I, I think I would say fruit. Even though I love fruit, and fruit's very good for you. It is, and it's, then it's hard to carry in your bag, too, you know? The lady that gave the apple away was always annoying, or an orange. I just didn't like it. Yeah. And then there was the scare back in the, when I was little, like a long, long time ago, razor blades. Yes. And so I kind of think of that. I sound cynical, but. No, you're right. That was a real thing. It was. Your mouth, don't touch that. And they would have to go through the candy and selectively choose all the good ones. <laughs> like, I need to go through your candy game out of the speed up in a cup. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The number one are the wax lips. Oh, yeah. Are those even edible? Though? Well, I don't no. know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I can understand. Put them in your mouth and I got wax lips. It's just a dumb idea. <laughs> oh, I love you, Brad. Number one for me is candy corn along with the pumpkins. Any type of that goes into yeah. that thing. And Mike Tucker always keeps a dish of candy corn on his desk at work. And every day I walk right by that thing and I'm like, ugh, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> I can't wait till Halloween's over so we can go back to orange slices. Uh, you know, the gummy orange slices with oh, sugar? Oh, yeah. That's what's normally in that dish, which are amazing. But during Halloween, he puts candy corn in. It's How like cruel. going. Yeah, it's like going from one awesome thing to the absolute poop pile on the bottom. Maybe he's saving you. Well, I'm sure he is. We all know that. So. Mm. Okay, my number one for sure is Smarties. Ooh, I like Smarties. Oh, but yeah, that's them. okay. That's I hate good. them. He teach his own. They hurt my teeth, and they're not even the flavor. Yeah, no Smarties. I like it. Any surprises? Sure. Strawberry Charles to choose Milk does. But... No, I'm surprised at milk does. Strawberry Charleston chews are just, but I mean, again, <laughs> I know that really upsets you, and I feel bad. I just... It doesn't upset me. But that's why, like, when you said, now if you go back and you Tarantino, when you go, Strawberry Charleston chews, and you re-listen to that pot, I go, really? I was so shocked. And it wasn't so much as, it was about you. It was that I absolutely could not stand those things. And I was like... <laughs> I just couldn't believe it was one of your all-time favorite games. And that was like episode six. First one with Griffin. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, well, that wraps up the top five. We'll come back, wrap up the episode. Awesome. All right. That was our episode, and before we do anything else, I have something to get off my chest. I was listening to a podcast Thursday, last Thursday, and these two people, guys, they were complaining about Facebook and how they should take more responsibility about what people post on there. It made me think, why do we blame social media for the stupidity of people believing everything they read on the internet? Just don't believe everything you read. Do some research. Like Steve said last week, do your research before you really... Well, it's no different if I told you that the sun's not going to come up tomorrow. Just because somebody tells you it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. It's very frustrating to me. I just think it's dumb that we blame the social media companies for our stupidity and believing everything we see on their website. I remember you asked me this last week, and I told you I thought the main reason was 
people get so upset by it. It may not be true or not, but I think the primary reason is a lot of these bots, whatever they are, I think they're paying Facebook to be seen. So Facebook is making millions of dollars off these things. So I think that's why people get mad. It's because, no, I think that's why people blame the social media companies because they're getting rich. They're getting paid off of it. I think that's why people get mad. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just, I think that's where people don't like. I understand that. Just stop believing everything you read on the internet. It's not all true. So. Or everything you hear on the internet. Yes. <laughs> Even this, I know. Um, but, Don't believe everything we say. Well, I mean, we people make the joke like, "Well, I read it on the internet, so it has to be true." So I don't understand why people can take something at face value at all anymore. So. I feel better getting that off my chest. That's good. Even now, when I read something, I like if I click on it and I'm a sucker for it, and it does happen. The first thing I'll do is, okay, what am I reading? Am I reading something by? The whatever, whatever, or my reason by Time Magazine, because yes, those look at, look at the source. Yeah, those matter. Right. Consider the source. Yeah, consider the source. So, uh, Stephanie. Yes. What are you doing this weekend? This weekend, I will be down in Savannah, Georgia, because the Big Five Dive is at a film festival there. But if I were here, which part of me wishes I were going to be here, I would go to the the costume run fundraiser, which sounds really cool. And I would also go see Romeo and Juliet at the Thunder Bay Theater. So I'll have to save that for the next weekend. Well, if you want to run Brad's race for us, we'll go down to the Wait a minute. <laughs> no, that's kind of awesome. When will you be back, Sunday or Monday? Um, I'll be back not until the week later because I have a meeting for the sanctuary. Oh, okay. down, so I'm going for a while. Well, nice warm weather. We're definitely jealous now. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, what are you doing this weekend? I'm putting on our costume at the What are we going to do after this? Really, I mean, with the United Way. Playing for next year. <laughs> and then we would be racing, and then it kind of settles down for us, which is kind of nice. We'll be able to just focus on the five. Yeah. Anything else? Still have meetings once a month or something. Because never stop planning. Yeah. Anything else you're doing this weekend? Um. No, watching football. Learn that. I don't know. Big weekend for college football. Yes, I might go with you out to the camp party. We'll see. So Friday night, Posen plays Cedarville. So I'll be doing that, and then Saturday morning we have a race, and then after that I have a camp party, and then Sunday I don't know. I'll hopefully just lay around and be lazy. <laughs> Depending on how that camp party goes. <laughs> Never know. Suck in your phone. Yeah. So next week we have Tommy Dowd from Harborside Cycle. Tell him hi Sport and Cycle. Sorry. Because he has expanded his repertoire. <laughs> yes. Good for him. Major pain reference. Sorry. And then um, I think we've talked about what's coming out the rest of the week. I will tell our listeners that we are going to take a break in December. I know we've alluded to that, but I don't know if we've officially announced that. So we're going to take a break over Christmas and then come back after Christmas. And then um, the week after New Year's. Yeah, the week after New Year's. And then, um, we were talking about doing that pod on Christmas week. Right. That would be episode 40. Yeah, you're correct. Like the 23rd is sure, whatever. So, yeah, we'll take it. Like, it's a week and a half off. And then, um, 
well, then we're going to call it season two starting in 2019. So exciting. Yeah, we could see, be some big things coming up next season. Oh, do you have something? No. Oh, I thought maybe there was something I didn't know about. I'm really excited. No, you never know. I mean, people. If you're, I mean, to people that do listen, like I really enjoyed having you on this week because I I knew about you, but I always find someone that I don't know that well really interesting to sit and talk about and get to know him. Um, that big dive, big five dive, just absolutely fascinated me. So, like, well, I, I really guess we should say she's also on the mural. Oh goodness! Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes. And that broke in the pot. Actually, I don't know if it's technically. I mean, I knew, like I said, I told Brett, I had a group chat that I knew about that. But Justin actually put that on the pot. Did he? Oh, yeah. my gosh. I was, I was a little slow. I told Justin not to tell anybody it was me. Yeah. It's true. He betrayed I, me. Well, and then I think I posted that one photo of the mural. I tagged you. You did. You had no choice. I had no choice. But, um. I did send him like a whole bunch of pictures. That's what he said. And he said that they were all awesome. And in fact, that uh, Tony had a really hard time um, figuring it out. So um, have you met Tony yet? I have. I did did the first go round. I helped paint some of the fishes, which was fun. Yeah, I know. We are going to paint a fish. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah, and I don't know. I think we're just going to have to make it like... Just like really Brad and whoever else. I know my daughter wants to be there, my kids and Allison, yeah. and it's just gonna be a hodgepodge. Maybe that whole scoops photo that we had the other night, like just that many people in on it, and it'll just be our corner or whatever. It's <laughs> so, fun. Because there's, yeah, we're not gonna wanna, there's not gonna be enough fish to everyone do their own. So, yeah. um, but my whole point was that you guys listening think there's people that'd be cool to listen. Or talk to. I know if somebody wants to work out for me, I'd really like to sit down and talk with Jim Parker. So I think that'd be really cool to talk to him. And if anyone else can think of someone, be feel free to shoot us an email, and then we can try to make it happen for next year. So yeah. thanks a lot for inviting me on. Well, Thank thanks for coming. I had fun. It's awesome. Really. And we talk about movies the next time I come on, right? Yes. We're always down for movies, except for not Top Gun. <laughs> Ouch! I'm kidding. <laughs> you, whenever the sequel comes out, no. Whenever the sequel comes out, we'll have to devote a whole episode to Top Gun. <laughs> you could, I'm sure. Yeah. Will you have somebody from the CRTC come on? <laughs> we just ask him, "Is this real?" And he'll tell us it's not. And then we'll just be disappointed. Be yeah, just like, oh, <laughs> I don't care. Oh, I'm just disappointed the whole time. So. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank 70. you. Thank you. We'll talk to you guys next week. See you. Thank you.